Hey, dear listener, Anthony here. Before we hop into the show, I wanted to let you know about an incredible new resource we just released, The Five Rules of Investing. Dan and I are huge advocates of modeling the behaviors of the people who have done what you hope to do. And who better to model when it comes to investing than legendary investors like Warren Buffett, Howard Marks, and Ray Dalio? This free ebook breaks down the simple time-tested strategies of billionaire real estate investors that you can use to take your investing to the next level. So head over to InvictusMultifamily.com and grab your ebook today. All right, now let's hop into the show. Sometimes it's that's a bad intro. <laughs> Take two. It's <laughs> real bad. Real, real bad. Yeah, I'll do this. No, they can't. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is Multifamily Investing Made Simple, the podcast where we take the complexity out of real estate investing so that you can take action today. I'm your host, Anthony Vecino of Invictus Capital, joined as always by Dan Wowzers. The Cookie Monster Kruger. I knew you had. I knew you had a middle name because you went to the, went old, to the old intro. School. Yeah, that's not bad. I saw your pictures. So yeah. if what? there was ever a reason to follow us on social media, it's so that you can get glimpses into Dan's life um, and see one his daughter, who's very way cuter than he is. Um, but Dan is pretty damn cute too when he dresses as Cookie Monster. So go go follow him on Instagram, and you can see. Yeah, periodically uh, Liz chooses the things that I wear. Like on Halloween. Oh, you did choose that. I did not. Pick that was that. not you. I a hundred percent thought not, this was a Dan led decision. That should not surprise anybody. <laughs> um, yeah. So occasionally you'll get to see what happens when Liz gets to pick things like that. And it's always more fun than if I would have picked. Yeah. I would well, have been like a, an accountant. One of the things I really enjoy about uh, Liz's Instagram, yours is when Coco appears, because one of the things I love most about Coco is how big a child's head and feet are in relation to the rest of their body. Oh my God. Her feet are like <laughs> as big as mine. They're it's like weird. bananas. It's, it's, it's hilarious. I'm like, dang, that kid's got big feet. <laughs> yeah. We, we get, we got to get that checked out. I don't it's think amazing. That's normal, has nothing to do with real estate, but uh, there you go. So today we're going to talk about how to buy the dip during a recession in real estate so that you can mm, get those 100 X returns. Bam. How's that sound? Sounds amazing. How I'm not like the that? new Emerald like, Lugasi, Lugasi. Don't think that. Bam. Right. Just say Emerald. Emerald. It's kind of like an Oprah. Okay. I know. Bam. Okay. Let's do this. <laughs> Can you buy the dip? It's an interesting question. Can you buy the dip during a recession in real estate? Is there such a thing? How do you? And at the core of it is the heart. The question is, how do you position yourself during a recession in real estate to excel? So let's start. Can you buy the dip? What's that mean? Okay. What's buy the dip mean? Right. Theoretically, yeah. if there's some sort of issue in the markets, like in the stock market, for example, things go down a bunch. It could potentially be a good time to, to buy if there's going to be some sort of, uh, spring up in, in, in the prices. So I think a lot of people think, yeah, well, just do that with real estate. Right. I mean, we see house prices coming down and then they should be going back up, but multifamily is a little different of an animal, single family houses. Um, assuming you are good at timing markets, which I don't think anyone who knows what they're talking about suggests you try to do, but single family home, I think yeah, could. Larger multifamily? Maybe, maybe not. It's not quite as uh, black and white of an answer, I don't think. Yeah, because 
One of the things you said before we started recording that I thought was interesting and probably like really worth pointing out here is that in when there is a dip in real estate, like in 2007, 2008, I think that was probably the last real big dip we saw, right? And yeah, if you go buy that dip, like you're, you're going to be doing, you're going to be done pretty good. But the problem is that where we're at right now, I think the market fundamentals are such that though there will be a dip in valuations, I think because debt service coverage ratios have been uh, sufficient because banks got really burned in the last the last go around. So they're making sure that there's enough cash flow in these businesses to, to be able to, to last. I don't think that there's going to be a lot of sellers forced to sell. And yeah. if they're not forced to sell, why would they sell in a dip? Right. Exactly. I mean, that's that's the great thing about this asset class is it's a cash flowing asset. And so if you're getting checks every month and theoretically, you know, if you were to sell because interest rates are, are, are going up and, and buyers can't afford to pay as much, like, why would you opt to sell this year? If you could wait a year or two and, you know, cash your checks while you wait, that's what the majority of owners do in this type of market. So we don't really see a dip per se. We just see um, a lot less transactions. And, um, and that's good. I think that's, that's a benefit. We don't have the volatile um, nature that the, the public markets have or even the single-family home market because most of the people who are buying and selling single-family homes are getting in and out not because they're cash-flowing assets but because they live here and they want to now live over here. And so they're going to they're gonna execute on that transaction. But if you own something that just spits out cash flow every month, you just wait. And, and this played out like in 2007, 2008, where we saw foreclosure rates on multifamily assets. Like it's, it, it, it moved in a marginal so way. It was yeah. like sub 1% still. Yeah. It so was. it's like crazy low. So I, I don't think that we're going to see in this recession these crazy buying opportunities. However, I do think that there is going to be opportunity during this recession, during this period of time, to pick up assets in a very creative way to get good deals done. I think that's a completely different topic because in the last five years, there's really been no incentive for a seller to offer any kind of creative financing solution, right? Because they didn't need to, they could put the property up and then like uh, an hour later, they'd have 50 bids overpriced, right? Now with banks, maybe with interest rates being a little bit harder to, to get the loans to work, the numbers don't really pencil out. There might be opportunity to go into these assets and get the asset on seller financing terms where maybe you're coming in with far less than you would in the eyes of a bank and you're carrying less risk because the, the seller's the one that's holding the bag at mm -hmm. the end of the day. So I do think that we will see some more creative solutions. Maybe I've yet to actually be in this business during a time where that was like a feasible option. I mean, we've yeah. always kind of thought like, oh, that'd be a cool thing to, to throw in the mix and see if we can throw a little seller carry back in a deal. And there's been worked. no incentive for a seller to, to do that. I mean, you know, for the last several years, bank terms have been great. There's been no need. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, if you follow Bill Ham at all, he wrote a book called uh, Creative Cash, right? Yep, Is that that's right. All about this. And he, he got started way before us. And, you know, way back in the day, that was, you know, one of the only ways to get deals done when the bank debt uh, was drying up. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's muscle that we've never had to flex because we don't, we don't have it. So we're going to have to figure out if we can learn it. Um, to get deals done. But I, I think there could be some really interesting situations. Maybe you have a really old seller who's like, doesn't need to sell his building, but um, you know, he doesn't want to work anymore. And so maybe you work out some kind of like master lease option where you come in, you take over the property and you get the cash flow. He gets a bit of it and you effectively get into an asset for very, very little. There's, there's a lot of ways you can imagine these scenarios playing out, but I do loan not think too. loan assumptions, I, but I do not think that there's going to be a dip that you can just buy. I know people keep saying like valuations will correct. Uh, I'm like, um, uh, maybe, 
they they will maybe a little bit. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I think it's just going to get a little quiet. For I think a little while. Yeah. so. I'm yeah. fine with that. I was talking to a, a developer today who is big here in the Twin Cities and has, oh God, they probably have like a thousand units. They're they're small but big in the in the sense that they only have four people on their team. And he's like, yeah, I think you just I think we're going to see transactions stop and just nobody's going to sell because why would you like what if the valuations dip why would you sell mm-hmm. like it doesn't make any sense so. and i got the same feedback from a, a a broker who's a good friend of ours that we've known for years uh first time i talked to him probably about a year and i kind of asked him like what's the volume like you know the last couple of months and he's like you know i got some some good ones locked up there over the last couple of months but for the last like 30 45 maybe 60 days just perfect no i mean we're not going to sell Nope. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> so, guys. Yeah, I mean, don't no deals try. here. Yeah, so Shoot. that's how you buy the dip during a recession. Um, you don't. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, hopefully, Clickbait. hopefully, gotcha. This, yeah, got you guys. Hopefully, this, uh, this podcast brought you a little bit of value. If it did, you know, the best thing that you can do to help us grow and, and keep spreading the word, which we'd really appreciate, is just to share this with somebody. Um, share it on social media, where wherever you listen to this. Um, just shout it out to the world. Say, hey, this 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 podcast, uh, it's okay. You know, doesn't have to be glowing. Doesn't have to be glowing. It's not great, but it's pretty good. I like to, I like to make mediocre referrals on social media for my friends. I'm like, Hey, this thing over here is not completely terrible. It's not a total waste of your time. Yeah. Set the expectations low. So the people coming in, like, you know, because listen, listener, you're, you're listening. You know how we are, but like most people, they don't understand our energy. So it's weird. Set the bar low. Uh, Just tell them it's (laughs) tight and uh, that'll do it for us guys. We appreciate you. We'll see you in the next episode. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Multifamily Investing Made Simple. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a massive favor? Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Your feedback, it means the world to us as it helps us grow and spread the word about multifamily investing. And don't forget, sharing is caring. So fire this episode over to any friends or family who you think could benefit from learning all about multifamily investing. Thanks, guys. We appreciate every single one of you, and we'll see you on the next show.